Well, Robert, it's really good to see you again. I'm glad that, uh, uh, to hear you got a, um, a steady practice going. And so uh, you had mentioned the issue of tiredness and mm. that since we've already been to a doctor about this and, and taken care of it uh, in the sense of a medical condition, let's talk about this tiredness strictly within the context of our Anapanasati practice. Mm -hmm. Okay, because tiredness is listed as one of the hindrances to correct practice of meditation. If yeah. we use the word meditation, then in fact, um, over time, I've moved further and further away from that word because what the Buddha taught is not what is known as Buddhist meditation. That what the Buddha taught actually is an, an, an intentionally energizing situation. So when people talk about going deep into meditation, they're heading off in the wrong direction and they're doing techniques that take them in the wrong direction. Mm -hmm. And that I would like uh, us to understand then how to turn things around in the sense of well, what is the right direction. That you can see in fact if people are sitting quietly on the floor with their hands folded, their eyes closed, their legs crossed, and they're not doing anything, that's not much of an exercise in most people's minds or ideas. To where Anapanasati is specifically an exercise. It's a practice. It is a, um, um, one way of talking about it is that we have skin in the game. And the distinction would be then the difference between um, uh, let us say someone who is playing a video game or even a chess game. You've got two people playing chess or even playing checkers. And then you've got a third person who is observing or watching the game of checkers. Okay, The guys who are playing the chain of game of checkers are actually paying attention to it, checking out every possible move and whatnot where the guy who's just watching the game, who's got nothing but awareness into it, it's easy for him to get distracted. He may even, in fact, forget about it and start thinking about how tired he feels, and by the time he looks back at the game, the two, two or three moves have been made. Mm -hmm. Okay? And so this is an aspect that we have to begin to look at, that this is something that is really important that one has to take an active role in the practice of meditation. This is not passive. This is not merely observing. This is not um, uh, mindfulness in that regard or paying attention or noting or any of that kind of stuff. But this has got to be really active. And we're going to talk about it active in two ways. One is with the body and most especially the breath. And the other one is the activity becoming really active with the mind. Okay. Now, in um, one of the books that Alan has been reading uh, to me about uh, Anapanasati from Bhikkhu Buddha Dasa, in that book, Bhikkhu Buddha Dasa really talks about that you have to take control. Yeah. 
If you're not going to take control of even your breath, if you're not going to be able to and don't bother to take control of your mind, how can you take control of your life? Are you living a life as if you were watching somebody else live it? Are you actively out there living your own life? A lot of us have the idea that we're just living a life and kind of going along and something else is doing all of the work or doing all the living. And then when a problem occurs, we have the idea, oh, I need help. I've got to go to a doctor. I've got to go to a psychologist. Let me have a priest. I need somebody to help me feel better because I don't have the skills to do that myself. Mm -hmm. Okay, so this is where the actual teaching of the Buddha uh, begins to diverge from normal Western thinking or normal Western thought that we actually have to take control of the mind. We have to actually take control of the breathing. And if we don't take control of the breathing, then the breathing is going to be remaining shallow, especially it gets shallow when we feel um, not up to scratch. You can actually see it in body language. Okay, let me give you two examples. That's one body language. This is another body language. Okay. One of them is that of uh, a champion, a winner, someone who has a, a positive attitude. And the other one is the one who is disappointed, remorseful, wants things to be better. And because of that, our body language tends to collapse us. That when we're tired, we want to ball up. When we ball up, we can't breathe well. But this is an old survival mechanism, right? That when we're actually under attack, we want to protect ourselves, just like a roly-poly or just like a, um, uh, uh, a porcupine. You know, when a porcupine is under danger, they will ball up to protect their belly and protect all of that. And all they've got are all these quills that are poking out from the from the back. Right. This is the kind of position that humans operate in often. And I have been telling students for a long time that the body and the feelings work together and that the work, feelings and the mind work together. So that means that, that means that if we take particular postures with the body, that that will affect the way that we feel and the way that we think. Mm -hmm. And so we need to start taking control over not just noting what posture we're in, but changing our posture from being the, in the posture of being the underdog, laying on our back, all balled up, trying to protect ourselves. I'm tired, you know, into um open assertive postures that have the point of view of i can handle this i can take care of it okay so these are basic body postures that have to do with basic mental attitudes and so a major part of the teaching of the buddha is such a major part that he actually puts it on the eightfold noble path uh, the word in Pali is Sama Sankapa, and it is translated um, not absolutely incorrectly as right thought or right intention are the two ways that it's translated. 
but a better way of looking at it is that Sankape is about attitude. Yep. Uh, the attitude, the attitude yeah. that I can do this, okay? And so these are skills that have to be developed. This skill of actually taking over. The skill of actually deciding that what I'm doing right this very instant is not wholesome and I have to move to a wholesome place. Mm-hmm. This is this is true with body, feelings, mind, and mind objects, all of the Satipatthana. Okay, so we're actually going to seize and gladden the mind. Going back to the Eightfold Noble Path, in fact, the Sati is the mindfulness. And that the waking up and taking a look would then be a combination of right view or right looking, right sati. But that Mm -hmm. right looking has to have another ingredient to it. Rather than just looking at what's there, we have to look at it as what's there in the reality of, is this worthwhile or not? Is this wholesome or is this an unwholesome thought? So thoughts about I'm tired would be an unwholesome thought. Thoughts of I can do this would be a a wholesome thought. Mm-hmm. Okay, and the kind of... Oh, is, can I just stop, stop you there a sec? Yes, go ahead. If you're, if you're riding your motorbike or driving your car and the fuel tank is nearly empty, pretending that it's not nearly empty, I would argue, is a unwholesome thought. Because Absolutely. you're going to stop the reality the situation exactly so, the reality of the situation mm-hmm. exactly so let's talk about then the possibility of actually putting some gas in the tank right now yeah okay and that putting the gas in the tank right now is actually taking that long deep wholesome breath we need to mm-hmm. start incorporating into this uh, uh, taking control of the breath, seizing it and and operating it. Because if we practice mindfulness of breathing, but we're only practicing in the sense of mindfully breathing, then it's really easy for the mind to walk away or run away or jump off of the mind. But if we are actually controlling it. Yeah. Okay. here's an example. If you've got your hand on a table and someone else has their hand on the table, mm-hmm. and the game is is that if they move their hand away from the table, you've got to slap their hand before yeah. they hand off the table, okay? Yeah. Is that game easier to play when both hands are on the table, or is it easier for you to play if you've already got them? If you've already got them, can they slip away easily? Yeah. All right. This is how we want to look at the breath. We want to actually be able to control it and hold on to it, grasp it and hang on to it so that if it tries to slip away, we can immediately put pressure on it to put it back into place. Mm -hmm. This is one of the things that is very important for people who are practicing meditation to understand that that the way that Western meditation is taught is to, is taught that it's a passive activity. 
but the actual practice of jhana is a very physical activity. It, and the, the, Buddha, <coughs> the Buddha gives a story about this. And the story is out of Sutta number 19, and the name of the Sutta is Two Kinds of Thoughts. And the story he tells is of the cow herd that is uh, taking the, his uh, few cows. Uh, he's not a cowboy with tens of thousands of, uh, you know, uh, rawhide kind of movie uh, set. This is ancient India, and the guy's got maybe three, four, half a dozen cows. Right. So he got to get the right setting and he's taking these cows now to the pasture. And along the way, they pass by uh, on the path, a village that has food stalls and uh, um, groceries set out for sale, kids playing and that kind of stuff. So this cow herd has to make sure that his cows are not stealing food, trampling on people's equipment, uh, jumping on children or anything like that that the cows have to stay in line. And in order to keep them in line, he's going to carry a stick with him. This cow herd has a big stick. And when he sees a cow getting out of line and going to get something, he's going to whack that cow, right? He's going to take the effort. He's actually not just going to nudge the cow over. He's going to whack that cow, all right, with that stick. Why? Well, people would say, wait a minute, we're trying to meditate here. And you're talking about using a stick? The answer to that is, is that this stick is actually protection to keep the cow from going into dangerous territory. If you don't use that stick on that cow, that cow is going to do some damage. And now what? And if you don't hit the cows at all, they're going to be all over the village destroying the place. And now this cow herd may lose his whole herd because he's not keeping them in line. Okay, so this is the situation, and the Buddha uses this analogy about thought, that we have to start guarding and monitoring every thought to make sure that this wholesome thought, and if it's, not a un if it's an unwholesome thought, then we're going to immediately kick it out. We're going to take that stick and whack it. Out you go. In another sutta, the Buddha used the expression of, aha, I see you, Mara. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that would be exactly that cow herd seeing that cow trying to grab that carrot off of the food stall and says, what, I see you. And that cow does not get that carrot. All right. Now, after the cows are through that village and on the, and, uh, on the pasture where they have rice stubble and plants and whatnot like that, the cows are now grazing, their heads are down, and the cow herd doesn't have to stand there whacking those cows anymore because now the cows are all wholesome. So now the cow herd can go sit under the tree and all he's got to do is now just to observe them to make sure that they're wholesome. This is where awareness finally comes into play, where noting finally comes in. <clears throat> but the first thing is, is that we have to get the mind wholesome first. And I, that, go ahead. I was just going to say, in terms of my practice, uh -huh. um, I'm fully aware of what you're talking about is, you know, sometimes if the mind's particularly unruly, 
I'm really quite tired after an hour of practice because I've been working really hard to keep this herd in line. Recently, I've been getting to the stage where I can stop using the stick. Not all the time, but some of the time. And I've had periods of three quarters of an hour where it's just there. It just stays, my mind just stays on the breath. I don't even need any effort. It's just, it just sits there. Boom. Okay. Well, one of, really the things, sweet. one of the things that I have come to notice about uh, the Western Buddhism, when they think mm -hmm. of meditation, they've already got a history of their own religions of Christianity and uh, comparative lives and all of that kind of stuff. And when they get introduced to what, uh, Buddhist practice, they almost always see it as sitting in a particular cushion on a uh, on a particular cushion in a particular posture in a particular place it probably has candles incense of buddha rupas and a bit of romance and maybe a bit of uh, ceremony and that kind of thing because this is how we have been introduced to it so i will give that kind of practice then to the people who want to do it and let them have their word meditation Mm -hmm. We're going to be practicing something quite different than that because we want the value of this all day long. We want this to be not an hour a day of something really uh, nice or in the direction of nice, followed by 23 hours of same old, same old. We want something to be uh, new. So for this reason, I tell students, and it has to do a lot with the fact that the, the human attention span just the way that the mind works, normally people get tired after about 20 minutes of thinking mm. about, a, about something. I mean, the mind just wanders and wanders all over the place, but when we have to actually sit down and focus on something, the mind won't last for very long. It, it jumps. I can see that in my own mind, that uh, I'll get really, really interested in something, and after a while, it's like, okay, I don't even want to finish it now. Let me go do something else. So, in that way, we want to say that it's not how long we can sit that determines any progress at all. A lot of students say, oh, well, I started at 20 and then I went to 40 and now I've got uh, 45 and I'm shooting for an hour and then two hours and as if sitting for a long period of time had some sort of advantage. But let's look at it instead of how much time that you're spending at doing this a day, and let us just take a benchmark of, of an hour or 60 minutes. Mm -hmm. That means that if you practice six times a day for 10 minutes and practice really well, you would get more value out of 10 sessions of really, really good practice for a full hour than you would if you did it for one solid hour and got maybe 20 minutes of value out of it. Mm -hmm. Okay, so shorter periods of sitting practice would be what that I would recommend with the intention of uh, going in the direction of having more and more and more of them shorter and shorter and shorter periods of time. So that eventually every hour you're going to be, uh, let us say every 15 minutes, one or two of those minutes are going to be in bliss, followed by 12 or 15 or uh, 10 or 12 minutes of ordinary and then another 
three minutes of bliss followed by 10 minutes of ordinary and pretty soon the ordinary gets more and more blissful as we continue to remember to do it more and more often. So this is a yeah, well, that's what I was saying is that I've got to the stage now where um, there have been times where I'm sitting for well if you look you know three quarters of an hour and it's all good. You know, the mind's sharp, it's just stable there on the object, on the breath, just following the breath, just enjoying the breath. It doesn't take any effort to keep it there. It's just there. It's all good. Mind's bright. It's, it's easy. Easy, easy, easy. Okay. All right. The mind's not wanting to wander off. This is a good place to be. We can just watch this. It's all if good. That if that's true, then I would congratulate you, and we can go off in that direction. But right now, we seem to have a dichotomy in the sense that your practice is really good, and yet you're really tired. Precisely. Precisely. And that's, that's what I just wondered if you had any insights into that. Yes. And it's not just that my at. practice is good. It's, it's everything's getting better. Okay. Yeah. All right. So um, I don't want to go uh, the sort of things the doctor has been talking about. I think a lot of people would find quite worrying. And I've just been, well, it is what it is. And, you know, hopefully there'll be nothing bad that comes out of this, but it okay. could do. You know, I'm of an age now where it does happen. And if that is the way it is, that's the way it is. You just have to make the best of it. And uh, honestly, Dharmarato, I mean, that sort of news three years ago would have knocked me flat. Okay. And it just hasn't done that. I've been happy and cheerful and tired. That really yeah. tired, but cheerful and happy and... And then enjoy, 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 not, not enjoying being tired, but enjoying life. Okay. So everything's better. All right. That's great. Big so time. let's now then say that what we're going to do with this uh, small modifications of your practice is only going to make things better. But that the two things that I really want to look at is seizing and taking control of the breath to make sure that this breath is a nurturing breath, that everything mm -hmm. you can get out of this breath, you're going to get out of it, including that this breathing is going to affect your tiredness. Because mostly if you yeah. think about when people do get tired, they do get tired generally after an activity. I mean, the original kind, even alligator wrestlers know that they can get the alligator tired and when the alligator gets tired he can't alligator anymore <laughs> yeah 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 right you got to get them tired out and what that means is is that the body is using more energy than we're uh, not energy but yeah we're converting the whatever foods that's in the brain into energy by combining it with oxygen 
yeah. and that the outcome is carbon dioxide. So we need to make sure then that your tiredness is not being affected by the fact that you've got too much carbon and not enough oxygen. We want to actually take control of the breathing to turn that around into a positive direction so that you know now for yourself without a doubt that you are at least getting enough oxygen, that your tiredness is not coming. Yeah. Um, I don't think it, I mean, look, I'm a, I'm a, um, I'm a trained Alexander teacher. I taught Alexander technique for seven years full-time. It's a three-year full-time training. I taught swimming with the Alexander Technique for three years. I know a lot about breathing. This isn't because of my breathing, this tiredness. Okay. Well, I had to put recognize that should or normally for most people is going to be the number one issue. Well, it might, it's not my issue. It's not I yours. Know, I know that sounds like arrogance, but I'm coming from a place I don't see it as arrogance I see it as confidence I, I like it yeah. no so it, uh, it you're talking it like a lion <laughs> a tired lion but a lion <laughs> Some, something funny something's funny is happening here this hasn't happened to me before I have been incredibly tired before when I had hepatitis when I was 18 mm -hmm. that's tired yeah, okay. and I have been incredibly tired when I had dengue fever. That's tired, and I have been incredibly tired after mountaineering expeditions. Um, when you're, it's just stupid. Um, <laughs> okay, uh, I got you. I, so I, don't, I believe it, you. It is. There is no energy in the tank i'm not like this all the time but i can feel this you need to make sure continuing to talk with the doctor because when you were pointing out the things about dengue fever and hepatitis those things can be uh let us say hidden away and can flare up and the doctors might miss those those things that in fact well, I am may, you might be uh under the influence of an old illness that is reoccurring this a is something that only virus. doctors can check out yeah no absolutely i'm still going through that process but i've been through enough of the process with the doctor now that you know, I was starting to think if it isn't somehow something to do with my practice, which I am not an expert on, All right. under my own experience. Well, let's at least you add are. one thing. Let's at yeah. least add one thing, and that is, is that while um, during the day in ordinary life, that to make it more and more part of your practice, as, as we were talking about before, that we want to bring this into our whole lives. And so uh, there's going to be an anchor there for you. And that anchor is going to be thoughts of tiredness. That you mm -hmm. have those thoughts of tiredness. If you didn't have those thoughts of tiredness, you wouldn't have called me. You wouldn't have gone to the doctor. You wouldn't have laid under that house trying to jack it up saying, I, I'm tired. I can't do this. These are those times when you've got those thoughts, I'm tired, right? Mm -hmm. When you have thoughts of tiredness, what we want to do is 
to immediately change those thoughts into practicing Anapanasati right then. Mm -hmm. Throw those thoughts of tiredness out and replace them with, I can breathe my way through this. Okay. And start taking some deep breaths right then and there and start monitoring, does this breath help that tiredness? Does this breath help that tiredness? Does yeah. this in-breath and this out-breath, how's it now? Another in-breath, another out-breath, how's my tiredness now? Begin to investigate the body. Mm -hmm. Do I feel any tingling sensations now that I'm actually getting a whole lot of oxygen? Okay. And so I've got tingling sensations all over my body all of the time. Okay, so every time, right. every time you have the thought of tiredness, though, you bring that breathing back and start taking some good, long, deep breaths and ask yourself the question, <clears throat> is this not better? Don't I feel a bit better now? Mm. Okay, this is the way to do it, is work directly with those thoughts of tiredness to change them by using the breath, taking long, deep breaths and says, how's this one? How, how's, my, uh, how's my tiredness now? Another deep breath. Where is the tiredness? Do I feel the tiredness in my arms? Do I feel the tiredness in my chest? Do I feel the tiredness all over the body? Where is this tiredness? Begin to chase it down with the breath. Almost as if now you've got a big, strong, tough cop, a breath. <sighs> and we're going to use that breath to chase down this villain, this tiredness. Okay, and, you, and so we're actually now very actively using the mind to ferret out and to find out where this tiredness is while we're chasing it at the same time with the breath. Mm. This uh, yeah, I, I, I have, funnily enough, I have been playing with exactly this. Exactly this. This is an actual process that we're talking about. If you all, all I have to do is remind you of it. And there you go, and you start doing this. What is this tiredness? <sighs> Can I get it out by breathing? Because <sighs> I have found that that's possible. I have yes. seen that in my life. All, uh, on any time that I get tired, the first thing that I do is I start taking a few deep breaths, and mm. sometimes the, bre the, the tiredness slips away faster than I even notice it. And then a few minutes later, I say, hey, wait a minute, I'm not tired now. <laughs> The other, the other thing I've noticed is I seem to be needing a lot of sleep. Getting or needing? Need it. Okay. I've been getting a lot of sleep. I'd say average nine hours up to 12 hours. Okay. Um, May I ask what posture? What is your normal favorite normally, posture? I normally start out on my back, and that lasts for about 20 minutes, and then I'll go over onto my side. Okay. When you wake up in the morning, do you notice what posture you're in when you wake up? Usually on my side. Okay. This is important, to start sleeping and making sure that you're sleeping on your side. You probably heard me talk about it before. Okay. Why? Because when we're laying on our back, we can't breathe well. 
that it, that in fact when COVID started out, when they started having so many deaths in America last year, about about one year ago, I could see immediately because of the videos that they were showing in the in the rooms there that the doctors and the nurses are unconsciously killing these people. That's we'll why they because they've got them on their backs. They're not only on the back, but they have the bed elevated a little bit, and people are trying to sleep that way, and they can't even roll over naturally. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay? And because of that, the, the body can't breathe well laying on its back. That the, the back part back in here, the lungs, can't, can't expand. But when we're laying on our side, and the Buddha knew this 2,500 years ago. That's why they talk about it so much, that, uh, that the lion's pose is actually the way that we should intentionally sleep, practice sleeping, because we could breathe better that way. And so then the next thing would be that as soon as you wake up in the morning, before you get out of bed, maybe the very first thing you do is to turn off the alarm but you don't even have to do it you can actually start doing what i'm about to talk about while you're turning the alarm off which normally is just something like that and it's i avoid alarms like the plague okay (laughs) so no alarm to go off but when you do wake up the first thing that you want to do is to make sure that you're on your side you roll over onto your side and then start doing some deep breathing Okay, notice any tiredness that you have as soon as you wake up in the morning and start this deep breathing right then and there with the understanding that you're going to stay in bed until you feel like getting up. Yeah, that doesn't always happen. It, it has been happening. Yeah, honestly, I, I have, I, uh, like this morning, I got up and uh, got myself a drink of water, and then I went back to bed, and I had another 20 minutes back there, and I thought, do you know what? I could spend the whole day here. <laughs> well, I started saying it that way. I'm really going to enjoy it right now. Let me just lay here and just enjoy and enjoy and enjoy and just enjoy being in bed. And when that, you feel better, then you can get up. That is because... For me, just laying around in bed, there's guilt associated with that. But just re sorry. She's no, this is nothing. You don't want that. You can't use that. Look at what you've got in your hand. Look at it. No, you want this. Mm-hmm. There's two files on there, print both. Mm-hmm. In that one place, print this now, remember? Okay. One, well, two files, two papers, one paper, one file, one paper, one file. <laughs> Having to go get printer. Uh, files printed because she won't let me have a printer. Why not? Because the printers that we've had in the past all die from lack of use. Ah, fair enough. That's that's quite sensible, I think. (laughs) 
So yeah, so yeah, for me, um, hanging around in bed was always sort of slightly associated with feelings of guilt. But over the last month or so, they've gone increasingly <laughs> out the window. And okay. I've spent, I, I spent the whole day in bed a couple of dark times, whole day. No guilt, I've enjoyed it. <laughs> okay. As far as that goes, when you're laying in bed and the feeling of guilt comes, notice the thoughts about that, which normally start with the word should. You should yeah. get up. Okay. Yeah. You shouldn't be laying in bed. And note those kind of thoughts because those are critical thoughts. That you yeah. learned those thoughts from some adult when you were a kid that you're not supposed to be comfortable in bed. You've got to get up and do what you're told to do. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And so thoughts those are. thoughts about guilty are unwholesome thoughts. As soon as those thoughts come up, you can say, absolutely. hey, man, I'm going yeah. to enjoy my life now. I'm not here to follow orders. Yeah. I'm here well, to I'm enjoy this place. I'm getting much, much, much better at it. Much better at it. <laughs> still, there's still plenty of them that get through, but I am catching a whole lot more than I used to. Well, this is exactly what we want to do then, is, is that to start taking the strong determination would be one word, enthusiasm would be even yeah. a better word, to be enthusiastic to the point of saying, I'm going to stop any of those kind of thoughts. Anytime that I see one, I'm going to grab it. I am not going to let those old critical thoughts run my life anymore. It's identification. It's realizing I am not those thoughts. I am not those thoughts. Those are not and, who I am. And, I'm the uh, one enjoying this bed, not the one who's telling me to get out of it. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm really pleased because I've, I've really been getting so much better at it and uh, it's really bearing fruit big time i'm glad to hear that i'm really glad to hear that this is yeah. this is the practice of anapanasati and when people yeah. come and say you know guess what it works <laughs> we, we know it <laughs> the teachings of the buddha actually work when we put the skin in the game oh yeah you got to take control because otherwise, the old habit patterns are going to remain in control. Automa uh, uh, I used the, the uh, analogy of uh, automatic pilot in an airliner. And so when the automatic pilot is on, then the captain can snooze. But that automatic pilot can run that uh, airplane into a, uh, into a mountain, into a storm, into a flight of birds, into another airplane, all kinds of stuff. It's not really watching where it's going. It's just going because it knows how to go. And so we need that captain. But when the captain takes the automatic pilot off and starts operating that plane, he's got to operate the whole thing. He really does have to take over that plane. He can't just nudge the automatic pilot a little bit here and there. He's actually got to take control. But when, he, when, when he's taking control, I think of it as he's retraining the automatic pilot as well. So, that the, so when he takes control of the aircraft, mm -hmm. yeah, whilst he's doing that, 
the automatic pilot is being retrained. All the bugs are being ironed out of it, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, so that when he does let go, it behaves itself again. He can rely on that a great way. He doesn't want to rely on it. He's got to be constantly aware <laughs> that things going haywire. But it does seem to be be like that. If you you know you go through these periods when you got this really engaged um you're really mindful you're really aware whatever however you want to call it yeah you really engage with the processes of life mm -hmm. and um it does seem to me the more you do that those periods when you're not so engaged just seem to go so much better anyway it's right. not that they can't get out of hand again they do but it happens less. It happens less. Right. And the longer we leave it on automatic pilot, the more likely it is to steer off. That I have seen students who take a whole meditation retreat for a week or so. They feel marvelous for the next week. But the third week after that, that's when things begin to go south is because they're now... They take their eye off the ball. <laughs> they take their eye off the ball. Right, so we need to get off of that automatic pilot and get the, the, the pilot back in there engaged often. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really, you want him there all the time? Well, um, in a very relaxed way. Yeah. Yeah, not on guard so much. That the guarding has to be done in the beginning when so many of the thoughts are unwholesome. But once we get one wholesome thought after another wholesome thought after another wholesome thought after another wholesome thought, now we can find it relax. Mm. And so that's what we begin to look for is how are these thoughts going? Are these wholesome or not? Are these thoughts of being tired? Or are these thoughts of being, I'm all right. I'm good. I can handle this. Yeah, I'm sitting here talking to you now. Having a nice time, enjoying it, feel good, happy. And I feel this is just this underlying fatigue. I'm quite happy. I'm breathing well. It's just this fatigue. It's just there. It's just there. It's okay. It's there. I was thinking, I'm, you know, I'm trying to do something about it, but I, you know, uh, and I'll, I'll tell you the other thing I've noticed when I'm like this, I, ge I generally have one cup of coffee a day. That's all I have, one cup of coffee a day. And I, I have a cup of coffee and it really sort of picks me up for a couple of hours i feel really perked up after it and uh, i don't crash after it or anything like that but it just gives me that whiz but when i'm when i'm tired like this it does nothing absolutely nothing at all nothing i have a cup of coffee now do it wouldn't brighten me up it wouldn't that it wouldn't bring that energy up at all mm -hmm. and i realize it's a stimulant i understand that and, yes, um, but when it's a stimulant, all it means is, is that it's stimulating the brain by slightly changing the brain chemistry. Yeah. But we change our brain chemistries with our thoughts also, possibly even more than the coffee. Oh, I totally agree. 
And so if you're brightening your mind with the coffee and then later you learn how to brighten the mind without the coffee, then when you take coffee, it doesn't feel like that you're brightening the mind so very much. Well, this is, uh, I totally agree, but I'm just talking about these symptoms I've got. And um, there's, there's something going on and mm -hmm. it's not, it's not, something's changed, something's different. And, Guess uh, what? One of them, I think, might be that you're getting older. That I am getting older, but I didn't, yeah, but the thing is, I, I totally buy that one. I am getting older, but you wouldn't, it's very strange to get four days where your energy just soars through the roof. You've got the energy of a 12 year old, yeah? Just fizzing with it, talking in a million miles an hour, full of energy, full of strength, full of vigor, yeah? For four whole days, and then bam. Well, no, it isn't bam, actually. It then goes to normal, normal 56-year-old energy, fairly fit 56-year-old energy, and then bang through the floor. Mm -hmm. that, that, that isn't someone gradually getting older. I, I totally appreciate that. You know, it's sort of, it's like a glacier. Oh, yeah, we look back to where the glacier was 10 years ago to where it is now. Big difference, but we could hardly perceive it moving. Right. This is different. Okay. Well, you can perceive it because you, as you uh, use the analogy, that you're running out of gas mm. or that you just lost your energy. You've lost your mojo. Mm. Okay. So, um, I'll, what I'm, what we're talking about now is not so much of working on the energy level itself, but working on the um, attitude, the enthusiasm. Uh, this is the part that you do have some direct control over. I know, so but I'm so enthusiastic, Tamarato. I'm enthusiastic <laughs> for my practice. I'm enthusiastic for the Dharma. It's, well, now be enthusiastic for okay, And I'm so, enthusiastic to get back to work. Well, enthusiastic for the tiredness also. Enthusiastic about this tiredness, yes. To investigate it thoroughly, just like we were talking about. Yeah. Okay? To breathe into it. To grasp yeah. the hold of it. Okay? To take, to seize it, to grasp hold of it, to breathe well, and to take on the attitude of, I can handle this. This is okay. There's no problem about it. I know what's Ooh. going on. Marato, I can handle it. Uh -huh. I can handle it. Yeah. What is is. Yeah. But what's that uh, saying? I, for, I forget. Uh, basically, you know, it's accepting those things that you cannot change. Yeah. But if you recognize there is something you can change. Absolutely. Make things better, then get on and do whatever is necessary to do that. And this is an investigation to find out if there is something I can. What can I do about this? Well, 
that's the list that we're making right now. The number one list is you got to keep working with the doctor. Absolutely. Number two, number two, and this is really also as important as that is, is to be on guard for this feeling of tiredness as it's coming. In other words, as soon as it starts to come down, notice that. Don't wait until it's all the way down and then bemoan that it's gone. As soon as the tiredness starts to come, as soon as you notice any tiredness, that's when to start breathing into it and say, aha, I see you, tiredness. Now let me investigate. Okay, mm -hmm. and there's two things or three things that can happen with that tiredness. One is, is it's going to mollify, it's going to get not so bad. Number two is going to stay about where it is. And number three, it could fall off the cliff, just like you said. All right, if it falls off the cliff, watch that. Watch it happen. Notice it. Breathe into it. Okay, and recognize that even if it fell off the cliff, that doesn't mean you have to crash land. Mm -hmm. It is okay, as you're saying, that now we have to just take out, um, we've done what we can do, and that if we're really tired, we can find some advantage into that. I mean, if you're really tired now, you can go take a nap. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm quite happy to do that. I'm quite happy to do it. <laughs> yeah. And we can begin to uh, recognize that, yeah, uh, old age does have its advantage. We can, uh, oh, yeah. you know, if you're already in your 50s, it's old enough, you can start claiming, oh, I'm too old for that kind of stuff anymore. <laughs> it's, it's, um, I've been, a, cl I've been a, a climber for most of my adult life, and um, I've got a few old climbing friends who climbed for years and years together and um, a couple of them are really really good and um, I had one friend of mine about 10 years ago that he just started losing it and just getting older you know you can't do what you used to do and you get really mad and angry and start throwing things all over the place and just that you know, What's that all about? That's not necessary. We're just here to have some fun, you know. And uh, another friend of mine I was talking to the other day, who's fantastic, really great climber. Um, but he's 62 now. And he just said to me, we were laughing. He said, I just haven't got the strength anymore. You know, I just haven't got it. I still love it, you know. <laughs> Really enjoy it, and we're rubbish now, but so what? We can still have fun, exactly. and that—that's the attitude mm -hmm. to me. Okay, so we've got these two things that we could do: is one is watch for that tiredness, and number two, continue to work with the doctor to find out if there's something that's really there. But other yes. than that, just notice it, but don't let yeah. it be your boss. That tiredness oh, is yeah. not your boss. Yeah. You're the boss here. So you, you've never, you've never come across this happening as a consequence of good meditative practice. Um, what I have come across as a, temp as a temporary sort of stage or symptom. I would say that those kind of things happen to ordinary people all the time. But when people are practicing 
anapanasati and mindfulness meditations and what that, they're more often going to know it to where ordinary people will go through phases and kind of wonder what's going on and don't really have a clue. So at least you're a whole lot further along than most people. But what I have seen now is, is that the two ways of practicing that we have been talking about today, the ordinary meditation versus this one of the two gauge, the two step process of number one, absolutely taking control of the situation. Mm -hmm. Uh, The words we could use would be to jump on it, to seize, Mm -hmm. to confront the breath, to jump on, to seize and confront the mind. Okay. So that's the number one step. The number two step is, is that when we jump on and seize that mind, if there is any unwholesome thoughts in it, including, I feel really tired then those thoughts are to be ripped out immediately, only allowing wholesome thoughts into the mind. It's those people who are not doing those two things who wind up then with uh, experiences of tiredness, experiences of fear, experience of actual misery, even disgust. And that uh, uh, in some meditation circles, especially associated with the Mahasi, and I've also heard it in Zen, is that this leads people into a dark place or a dark night of the soul. Uh, But basically what that just means is, is that they're very, very good at noting, but not very good at changing their mind. And so they're just noting the misery that they've always been in, except that now they're getting a big load of that old stuff. So the first thing is, is that we've got to throw that misery out. We've got to throw that tiredness out. We've got to throw that disgust out, to throw those fears and all of that stuff out. And take a deep breath and tell ourselves everything's all right. Everything is fine. There's really no worries here. And that's when we're practicing correctly is having wholesome thoughts. Yeah, well, I, I, I am getting better and better and better at doing all of those things. I'll Excellent. give myself a pat on the back, and I feel that I've really made progress. However, mm-hmm. I'm not throwing out the fuel gauge that says... Oh, hey, no. No, you begin to know that fuel gauge, but not just notice it that it's going down. Your job is to really note it and say, all right, here you go. <laughs> I got you there. Take another deep yeah, breath. Yeah, Take another yeah. deep breath. Okay. So, and I'm doing that. I'm doing it. So, yeah, we'll, we'll, get, to the, we'll get to the bottom of it one way or another, I'm sure. But I did think it'd be really worth talking to you and just having another perspective. <laughs> Rather than getting to the bottom of it, which is what most meditators do, I want you to get on top of this thing. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Just let's a matter of speaking. But let's, get on, let's get on top of it. Let's get on top of it. I like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's cool. You're the emperor of your own pile of dirt. Let's live on top of that pile of dirt. Let's be on top of it. Let's not be under it. Great saying. Yeah. No. Absolutely, completely and utterly and totally convinced by that. <laughs> Excellent. That's the way forward. Well, Robert, it's been really delightful to talk with you today. I hope that we've had some other than just really good enjoyment of each other's company that you've gotten a couple of points that you can work with. 
Yeah, well, it's just, I mean, basically, you've confirmed what I thought and I'm going along the right lines, I think. And, uh, and oh, just before I go, um, you, we've spoken in the past about Century of Self, Adam Curtis's documentary. Yes, uh-huh. Yeah, he's got a whole, he's got six more out now. Oh, really? I'll go take a look. Which are really great. I mean, they're about an hour and a half long each. They're consecutive, so it's a series. Um, I'll send you a link if I can. I would like I, that. I don't know. They were on the BBC, but you might be able, I don't know if you can get iPlayer. No, no you, B, uh, BBC really is good about putting stuff on YouTube. Yes, so I'll, if I can find the link on YouTube, I'll send it to you. Excellent. Thank you, sir. Thank you. And it really is good to see you again. It's been quite a while. Really and I'm nice to talk to you again. I'm really glad to hear that your practice is going well. Excellent. I'm pleased. Good man. You have a see good day, and thank you for your time and help. I'm glad to see you again. We'll speak again soon, I hope. Please, I'd like that. And thank you so much for helping my daughter as well. She really appreciates it, as do I. It's my pleasure. You're a star. <laughs> Important <laughs> work you're doing. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Bye. Bye-bye.